This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello, and welcome in to a very special Trade Deadline Recap episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined here by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Guys, this is probably the best mood that we've been in on the podcast in quite some time. Um, Bill Guerin did the thing, went out, got some players. Um, at the time of this recording, uh, the Wild have just shut out the Vegas Golden Knights. So we're, we're, we're feeling good, and we get to talk quickly and kind of recap all these trades. I'm wanting to get out ahead of this, have this in your feeds by tomorrow morning to break down, give you our thoughts, as well as um, allowing our full slate um, on Wednesday to be uh, dedicated to uh, talking with Ryan Carter about the Wild, the NCAA tournament, and taking your questions as well. So by the time this is in your feed, you should hopefully see a tweet on our feed uh, if you have questions for Ryan to submit as well. But we will quickly check in on everyone before we get into all the trades. Justin, we'll start with you. How are things going this evening at the Baki household? Going well. It's my uh, Friday for work, so technically my weekend coming up. Took the daughter to dance tonight and digesting kind of what all went down today and, and throughout the deadline. So, yeah, And the best part is we get to go to wild practice on Wednesday with the kids, so they'll get to see these guys up and up and close and personal. That is exciting. Zeke, how about you, man? Yeah, no, uh, just not much special, but uh, except for everyone else, it's been a fun day following all the news, reading up uh, – all the great stuff in the athletic and just, uh, you know, watching obviously big win tonight, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a good, exciting day. It's, uh, you know, I'm just like talk about, it's kind of hard to remember a more, uh, active, uh, deadline or pretty much, you know, anything in the history of this team. So it's, uh, it's been a fun day so far. Yeah, absolutely has. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with Possibly the biggest trade deadline ac- acquisition in in wild history. You could maybe argue the Hansel trade, but we know how that worked out. So I think that sort of lost the title. Um, we had heard this rumored. We talked about it on the show. How do they make it work? And eventually, Bill Guerin found a way to make it all work. And the Minnesota Wild do get a potential answer to their goaltending issue um, in acquiring Mark Andre Fleury from the Chicago Blackhawks. For a conditional pick in the upcoming draft, it's a second rounder that can become a first rounder if the Minnesota Wild make the Western Conference Final and Marc-Andre Fleury accounts for four of the wins in the first two rounds. 
So hopefully you've followed all that. I'll repeat it one more time. It's a Marc-Andre Fleur to the Wild. Chicago gets a conditional 2022 second-round pick, which is their own pick, my understanding. So it's not the one they got from Vancouver. Um, or I don't think it's still be the Johansson one either. It becomes a first if the Wild get to the Western Conference Final and Fleury accounts for four of the victories to get there. So that's the trade. We talked on the show on Wednesday about how we hoped it wouldn't be a first. So we didn't completely get our wish, but we also didn't not get our wish. Um, some potential offseason implications as well, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, Zeke, we'll go to you first because I think of the of the three of us, you probably had the most hype for this trade. So I wanted to get your reactions uh, first before we dive into Justin and I's. Yeah, well, you know, I think, I mean, like we said, like you mentioned, but we talked about this a lot on the podcast. Uh, Following us on Twitter, you've seen, well, yeah, obviously everybody talking about it. But for me, maybe it was just a little bit more, you know, not necessarily of, you know, whether it was the right fit or price and all that. It was just the, you know, for me, it was the fact that, hey, you have an opportunity to bring, you know, a goalie in who is, you know, almost assuredly a lock to be a Hall of Famer once he's retired, has won multiple Stanley Cups. You know, it was great in Pittsburgh for so many years. And and even though he struggled this year in Chicago to some extent, uh, did just win the Vezina last year. And obviously we saw him play very well against the Wild in the playoffs last year. So it's about the only I time he's played was, well against the Wild this whole yeah, career, yeah. I think. Pretty much. <laughs> that is true. So it's probably good for him to be uh, at the X uh, in the other net instead of wearing the white jersey. But, uh, yeah, no, I just, I don't know, I just thought it was a potentially really – cool opportunity to like I said just get a guy in with the pedigree and and not only that in his experience but just the kind of guy he seems to be you know everyone everywhere he goes seems to love him you, you've never heard a bad thing about him seems to be you know it's funny like you know it's kind of jokester just seems like he has a lot of fun playing the game and yeah no uh it's like you said the, the, the price I mean maybe it's a little bit more much than we than we would have wanted but at the same time it's kind of a it's, it's it's not really maybe it's not a no lose situation, but in a way it is because you know if they go out in the first or second round, then they get their first and have their two seconds, and that's all fine. But you know if they do happen to advance past second round into the conference final or the, or the cup final, I mean I you know it would suck, but I think a lot of us would probably trade a, that pick for a deep playoff run for the first time ever in the history of this team. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we'll see here starting on Thursday night probably how he's going to do. But I just think, you know, I just think it was really cool to make that big splash and get probably the, you know, like you said, Brett, the top player on the market there and uh, just uh, really bolster this team at a position of need. Yeah, and essentially I think the important thing to remember here is, yes, that's a first-round pick, but given the condition of the pick, unless it ends up being the conditional Johansson pick that moves up or – which I don't know even know how that would work, but if it is indeed, in fact, yeah. the Wilds' 2022 first-round pick, or just um, that would be the condition. The absolute highest that pick could be would be 28. Um, that would be if they had the worst record, or yeah, the worst record of the two teams that make it to the Final Four. So, not a bad, not a bad thing, all things considered. So, right, I think that would be the case. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I think so. I could be wrong there, that. but I'm pretty sure that would be the case. Um, yeah. But Justin, your thoughts? At first, I, um, I was kind of like torn. So I was excited. I was like, this may fix the goaltender issues that we've been having lately, even though we've kind of gone on a stretch of goal, good goaltending again. Uh, and, and then I saw the, the conditional first. I was like, oh, man, no. And I was kind of like torn about that. And then I got to thinking about it more. 
and and this is a good time to have a like a, for a conditional like that if if we make the western conference finals or stanley cup finals like you guys mentioned that uh that's a good payoff especially if you god willing we win the cup i mean i think no one, no, no one would care at that pick point. Stanley no, cup. Yeah. if they had traded three first round picks <laughs> no. in the entire farm system we got a cup right. i think i could care less but that and with all these trades i mean we'd other than that conditional first, we didn't give up any of our top prospects. We didn't give up much more than, than that. And if the worst thing is a second that we give up or a first, then, you know, I think it'll end up be wor- being worth it. And then hearing uh, Flower talk about when he was here the other night on Chicago's bench, so he was just sitting on the bench and he said he saw the packed house and kind of envisioned this is where he wanted to be. And it, it's kind of cool that – that he's able to do that because that, that house was rocking tonight. Yeah, talk about perfect timing on that too because who knows, you know, if, if Chicago doesn't play that game there and if he doesn't get lit up the next night in Winnipeg, does his do his feelings totally change, right? You know, if he plays a good game, you know, against Winnipeg or, you know, maybe he, you know, beats the Wild or something and, you know, feels that, yeah, maybe Chicago is where I want to stay despite where this team's headed just to be a locker room leader type, but... Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the history with Garen too, the two winning the cup back in 2009, a big factor as well. So yeah, I, I think for me, my initial thought was I saw the wild acquired flurry and I was like, all right. And it was like conditional first. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, show me the condition on that. Like, is it, he plays 20 games or something like, is it something stupid? And I saw the condition. I said, all right, I'm down with it. Let's ride with flower. Yeah. Um, I think the price is fair. I think, to get what they needed that's that was the price they had to pay and garen found a way where it you know it wasn't quite a first um we all talked we'd be fine with the second um which they did end up getting for jack mcbain which we'll talk about that in a second um as well here um but ultimately think it's great and then you know too i think that um the thing michael russo talked about today on on kfan is that he is operating under the belief that Bill Guerin, if everything goes well with Flurry, you know, if he proves himself down the stretch here, maybe it takes the Wild in the playoffs, you know, two, you know, two or three rounds, um, that there is a belief that the Wild will try to give Flurry an extension. Um, in which case, it would mean the Wild may look to move on from Cam Talbot, trade him out, and then sign um, a cheaper backup. Um, and I think too, from my perspective, if you're able to get an extra year or two out of this in the long run as well to help you to continue bridge that gap um, to Jesper Wallstedt. Um, I think that's that's another thing I think for me that makes me a little more willing um, to be to pay up a little bit more for that versus just a three month rental. Right. Yeah. No. I think. Oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. You go ahead, Zeke. I'll, I'll go after you. Uh, well, no. I just uh, I, I think that's a you know it's a really good point. Obviously, it's. He said it's obviously just happened a few hours ago, so it's hard to obviously know what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he is 38, so I guess, you know, there's the age concern there of, you know. I think he's 37 now. He'll be 38 in November. Okay. So I remember from my research. Okay. So, yeah, that sounds about right. But, yeah, I mean, it would definitely be, I mean, hey, if he, he, you know, he doesn't even necessarily have to, you know, be as good as he was last year, as good as he was in Vegas. It's got to be average. The cup. If he's if he's half of that or even a fourth of that, that's still a vast improvement over what Wild's gotten for most mm-hmm. of the season, and would be you know fantastic. And you know, just for me, the my favorite thing about this is that, in a way, I mean, obviously we all remember uh, you know the, the clip of Bill Guerin uh, when he asks you know asks everyone what's this all about, and he says this is about effing winning. 
in a way, you know, he didn't have to make a move. Obviously, he didn't have to blow too many future assets, which is, you know, which is, is I don't think he, which I think a lot of us agree, don't think he did. And I think it was not really going all in, but in a way, you know, going all in and while this team's still out of the space, uh, giving them that chance. And, you know, I, I got to imagine, you know, maybe for Cam Talbot, it's a little awkward, but I got to imagine for the rest of the team too, uh, when your GM goes out and makes a trade for, goalie like flurry with you know his experience and pedigree and all that 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 uh, it's got to make you feel pretty good and i mean even matt dumba he was talking about you know how pumped he was he couldn't uh, hardly get his pregame nap in today mm-hmm. so i think i think that's just a, a, a awesome thing too that uh, you know the gm and the management are showing faith in this team uh, to really hopefully uh, be able to do something here in the last few months of the season yeah and one thing that we did miss talking about that made the the deal maybe even sweeter was Chicago took fifty percent salary retention. Yeah. So yep, excellent. Um, yep. That that helps helps a lot. And and when it happened, you're kind of like, okay, which goalie is going now? Yeah. You know, it was sad to see Kacken leave. Yeah. But I mean, then, it was almost then, instant too. It's yeah, like, it was. Um, it was like mm-hmm. all right, while well, they're getting flurried, it had to be yeah. within a minute. Um, I don't remember who was on it first. It might have been Darren Dreger. I was like, yep, Kacken into San Jose right. like instantly. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. All right, because yeah. that was that was the wrinkle that we talked about on last week's show was. All right, if they do go out and target a flurry of Varlamov, they're probably not going to carry three goalies. I don't think that we expected a, a side deal. I think we expected one of the two to go to Chicago. Um, right. Justin, as you said, that that wasn't the case. Yeah, no, and it made you realize that uh, obviously he's not in the future plans, and and I think they felt more comfortable doing that, knowing, like you mentioned earlier, that Jesper Wallstead's in the pipeline. Just hopefully he's in Iowa next year. And two, three years down the road, um, hopefully he's our 1A goaltender. So, yeah, it it was an exciting trade once everything kind of came together and and you realize kind of, all right, let's go. (laughs) We got got a Hall of Fame goalie. We got Talbot, who is getting hot again. I mean, you you hear people say, oh, what's this going to do to, like, Talbot's psyche? And I think we saw that tonight. He just elevated his game. He looks so sharp. Yep, response to the 28-save shutout. Granted, it's against a pretty depleted Vegas team, but um, 1.81 expected goals. I mean, that's mm-hmm. historically games where you've seen Talbot giving up 4-5, um, but just stands tall, had a couple big saves. Um, to me, I thought the defense looked good in front of him too. But, yeah, I, Justin, I don't think you can say any better. I don't think you could have expected any sort of better response for, mm-hmm. for Cam Talbot to to follow up a you know a one-goal-against game in, against Chicago and then follow that up tonight with a, with a 28-save shutout. Um, really starting to, it seems like right the ship finally. Granted, it's been a softer part of the right. schedule, but you know, just the kind of confidence to build, and now that extra pressure of, you know, I think even when Kakinen was here, there might have been some security for him, and that like, yeah, I'm still the de facto, I'm still the guy, right? I can have right. a bad game, and I'm still going to be the guy. I'm not going to lose it to Kakinen. Um, but I think now with with Flurry, he goes, hey, I could lose my job to Kakinen, or to. To, uh, to Flurry, and I could lose my future here too. So I've, I've got something to play for. I've got something to prove. So, yeah, I think, I think kind of going off on a little bit, I think uh, another thing I've saw, heard, listened to some people talking about that, you know, obviously with, you know, how Talbot's feeling. He just had a quote, obviously, here after the game. It's not verbatim, basically. You know, I'm just going to go in and be a good teammate, just like all the other 24 guys in there. And, you know, obviously we know that's, that's been one of their strengths this year is how inclusive they are as, teammates and his friends and all that but i think i think the fact that you know maybe from talbot's perspective that it's you know they brought in flurry uh, you know as great as he's been rather than 
you know, if they brought in like a, you know, Jonas Corposal or something or something like that and threw him in the net, like, you know, that's maybe a little tougher to swallow if they bring in a guy just, you know, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you, they're competitors, they want to play, but, you know, maybe the fact that they brought in a guy who's, you know, legitimately proven, uh, you know, is maybe it, I don't know, I, maybe it just makes it, uh, it's not as big of a slight maybe as them if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that covers uh, Flurry for the most part. Um, it sounds like he will make his first career start as a member of the Minnesota Wild on Thursday um, against Vancouver, so I'd expect the building to be rocking that night, cheering on Flurry. Yep. Um, but the other new player that will likely be getting cheered on that night um, will be Jacob Middleton, the 25-year-old left-shot defenseman acquired from the Shan- San Jose Sharks. Um, in the exchange with Capo Kakinen, the Wild sent out what I believe is a 2022 fifth. I never officially saw the year on that. Um, mm-hmm. You guys can correct me if, if, if you saw that. But uh, Kakinen and fifth go to San Jose. Jacob Middleton comes back um, to the Minnesota Wild. Um, and I did we talk about Middleton on when, on Thursday? Because I meant to. I don't know I if we brought, brought him, him up. up. Okay, good. I, I think, thought yeah, so. You brought him up. Yeah, yeah I, I thought so. Um, but he was one of the guys we talked about that, that we were targeting that we liked. Um, reason being, he's, he's got a cheap contract. I believe he's on like a league minimum. Like I think he's like a 700K right now. Um, so very cap-friendly. Um, I believe he needs 12 games, and he qualifies as an RFA next season, so a guy they can for sure bring back. But th- to me, the two things that excite me are, one, you know, you heard a lot about the Wild wanting to add, you know, a guy, a big guy in the blue line, right? Someone who can be physical. Yeah. and. You know, they were talking about a guy like Ben Chirot, who, you know, to me is like, that's ah, a third-pairing guy, very average. To me, Middleton checks that box, but in addition, he's a guy that has played big minutes with good defensive partners against good competition and posted good results to boot. He's not a guy that's going to blow you away offensively. I think he has like nine points this year. Might be in his career. I don't think he's played a ton of games. Um, but has spent the majority of his ice time with Eric Carlson or Brent Burns in San Jose and has posted really good um, defensive numbers and from the analysts and stuff that have watched him more, it sounds like he thrives playing alongside a puck mover and just doing his job being kind of that stay-at-home defenseman. Um, and then you hear the quote as well from Logan Couture about a guy that can play up and down the lineup, and it seems like a guy that can be a perfect fit. You can stick him in the third pair, the first pair. Um, he's a good penalty killer, so it gives you versatility there. But I think just a, a great get when you knew you weren't going to resign or, or, or keep three goalies with Kakinen you get a defenseman that you might have team control over next year that you can fit in on, on any of your three pairs as well as on uh, the penalty kill. Yep. And, and just uh, not correct you, but update, it was a 2022 fifth round pick. So essentially we gave San Jose their fifth round pick back from the Dubnik trade. So uh, oh, trading yeah. goalies, trading picks. Kakin <laughs> and Dubnik for Middleton. But, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> when it's all um, said and done, essentially. Yeah. It kind of all came back around, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this guy. His his point numbers won't won't hit you, come at you, but uh, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, defensive defenseman. He's a big guy, like you mentioned. But um, something I did notice with every single signing outside of the goaltending is is all these guys play with grit. I mean, maybe Joe's not so much, but he's not. I mean, he's not shy against. I think the it's boards. a different type of grit. It's just that yeah. hard nose, right. put my head down, yeah. and work yeah. hard every shift. Right. It's kind of that Zach Parisi type grit. Yeah, that grind. And another couple of things I notice is they're all good on the PK, which we know has been pretty shitty at times for us. Perfect the last and, two nights. Yeah. So improvement and, there. And all these 
all these guys will stand up for their teammates, which, which you love to see. And, and one thing that people, some people might not notice is this takes the load off of Felino doing this. It keeps the grief line on the ice together longer. And then also something that Jacob Middleton is really good at is, you know, hits and block shots. He's yeah. well on his way to being on the hundred hundred club for that this yep. season. I believe so. it was 89, 89 um, yep. for my check today up per natural stat tricks. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. guy that's not afraid to use his body to make plays. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think kind of the other important thing for me that, you know, you kind of mentioned throughout this contract, but the fact is, you know, like you said, if that, uh, if, you know, assuming he does play well and assuming he plays enough of the games that that's a guy that, I mean, I know we, you were saying on Twitter and some of the people are talking, you know, could he be a guy who plays, on the top pair with Jared Spurgeon at some point. And, you know, if you're thinking, hey, maybe he's not, you know, really a, a top pair defenseman and, you know, by based on his skill, but if he can, you know, like, like as you mentioned, as he's, he's played top minutes with top players like Eric Carlson, Brent Burns before and this year and been successful that, you know, if he can succeed and maybe in that role and they can bring him back, you know, on a pretty reasonable deal this summer to fill, you know, kind of a top four spot and which could also even help out depending on if there's, you know, you know, a trade of of Matt Dumbar or even a cool copper Merrill, some of that kind, and kind of fill that role without having to, you know, worrying about you know where you're going to go. So I, I I really like it from that standpoint. And I mean, obviously, like you know, like you guys just both just said, it just fills pretty much uh, you know exactly the needs that you know we were all talking about for two weeks that they were looking for in the deal. You know, size, strength. Uh, you know, penalty killing, as you said, uh, he's got that all. So he's you know maybe not exciting, obviously. But at the same time, you know, uh, he, not everyone plays an exciting game. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a really a solid pickup, especially, you know, I remember reading a tweet or I think it was a report from like TSN or Sportsnet or Sam that they're looking for like a second round pick and a prospect for him. And, you know, obviously it sucks to see Capo go, but if his ceiling here was going to be a backup, uh, I think it's a pretty good deal to, to uh, you know, get him send him out and get the Middleton in return who could possibly play a, you know, fairly significant role in your defense for not just this year, but uh, two, maybe a few more years to come. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just seeing now, obviously Jordy Ben, probably not, you know, unless two or three defensemen go down is probably never going to see the Minnesota wild ice again. Um, but now they do have seven healthy defensemen. Um, so I, and you don't trade for Middleton and, a guy who has RFA if he plays games, he's not going to be the guy seeing the press box. You know that for certain. And I think I think tonight you saw Goligoski and Merrill and Kulikov all play strong games because it'll be one of those three coming out. Um, yeah. I think if it were me, despite the recent extension, I think i probably pull Merrill out of that lineup. Um, Goligoski was my kind of original thought, but he has seen the power play as of late. Um, so I think they might keep him there for that reason. Um, I think Kulikov just has a little bit more skill, a little bit more of that size um, and puck moving ability that Merrill doesn't have. Um, so if it were me, I would slide Middleton up with Spurgeon and then have a third pairing of Goligoski um, and Kulikov. And perhaps here and there, you know, against a weaker opponent here and there, you can rotate a guy in, give him a night off just to keep guys healthy as they continue just to go through this meat grinder of the last mm-hmm. half of the schedule. Um, I don't know if you guys are in the same boat, but I just want to get your thoughts on where you think, where you would at least like to see him start um, with, with playing Jacob Middleton. You know, I, I'd like to see him. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, but I mean, I feel like if 
Galagoski does end up sliding, he could end up up with Spurgeon because he did play with Carlson and Burns. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to have that flexibility. I think he does start off third pairing, like you mentioned. I mean, it would be beautiful with Merrill with the, those caterpillars they have. Oh man, it'd be but, the, uh, the no, stash I... line of stash. It'd be the <laughs> ultimate stash pairing. Um, was it was it Thomas Williams? I think that had the tweet today. It's like the Wild have to be like, have the most players in the league that look like they enjoy craft beer and woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> but, but no, I, I think Kulikov and uh, Middleton would be a, a good place to start i mean merrill's been effective but you, you just feel like those two defensemen bring more like overall skills yep yeah it's i don't know it's kind of tough like because you know as you guys mentioned uh, with merrill getting a three-year extension it's you know for second there it's very hard to you know you hesitate to, are they really going to scratch a guy that you signed for several more years but you know at the same time like you do like you said brett uh, the, there'll be guys going out of the lineup uh, next few weeks so it's probably not it's not like they're all going to play at least probably a good chunk here the last month or two of the season. But uh, yeah, I think, I think as Justin mentioned, like they usually do with, uh, you know, when teams do when they acquire players, you know, this late in the season, you know, they ease them in kind of, you know, third pair, fourth line, kind of like Tyson Jost is getting right now. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, there's, not, there's always a chance to, you know, to move up as usual. Cause as we've seen with Golgoski, maybe not be able to, keep up and showing his age a little bit defensively that, that, that certainly, you know, it could be an option. And like you said, I think uh, it's, uh, it's intriguing. It would be intriguing to at least try it for a game or two here eventually, maybe before the playoffs start. Absolutely. Well, let's move into the next trade. And uh, it's one that pretty much shoved my foot in my mouth tonight. Um, and I think Russo <laughs> took a couple of subtweet jabs at me tonight as well, but I'll eat him. Um, and that was a trade of Nick Delorier from the Anaheim Ducks uh, to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a 2023 third-round pick. Um, a guy that's been a career fourth-liner, knows his role. I'm sure you've seen the presser now, but um, when asked about his skill set, he, re- he replied, deadpan, what skill set? Um, a guy that knows Marcus Foligno from Buffalo and basically said, I'm coming in to keep Marcus Foligno on the ice, You know, make other teams think twice about hitting our, our young guys and our star players, and... Uh, yeah, I, my initial gut, it wasn't anything about me disliking acquiring Delorier. Mm-hmm. It was the third-round price. Um, I tweeted out as kind of a history of what those some of those third-round picks since 2018 have been for the Wild. Um, among that list, Adam Beckman, Jack McBain, um, Damon Hunt. Uh, there's like three other ones in there that I yeah. can't think about the top of my head. Yeah. But uh, Havanov was in there. Um, Caden Bank here in the most recent draft. So, like, guys that probably have NHL futures, probably beyond a punching, hitting, fourth-line guy. But, um, you know, he he quickly made me eat my words with just an electric debut tonight. Um, scores the first goal. Um, I think the game-winning goal. Yeah, which ended up being the game-winner. Had six <laughs> hits. Was dragging William Carlson out of the crease. Uh, clear, <laughs> clear the guy's a personality. It seems like he's already loved in the locker mm-hmm. room. I believe he also got first star of the game tonight too. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> check. Weird. I'm gonna check. Uh, let's see, does it say on here? Yes, was also given the first star of the game as well. So Amazing. He just just said "f you" to all the analytics people, but 
Um, and I think that's the important lesson here is that, yes, analytics can tell us a lot, but sometimes that true on-ice impact can't always be measured, and I think uh, Deloria could be a prime example. Do I think he's going to have a goal in six hits every night? No. Um, but I think this is the type of player we can expect and still don't love the third-round pick, but if we get something like this, that kind of energy um, every night, I think in the long term I'll, I'll, I'll come around on it. What do you guys think? I think uh, we also thought that Felino couldn't keep up the shooting percentage. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's handed that off to Rem Pitlick, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, something like, I think long. still yeah, shooting yeah. over 30% this year somehow. Right. But no, I mean, I thought the third round pick was a slight overpayment. I mean, this time of year, you're going to slightly overpay. I mean, this first game, he was electric. I mean, to get the crowd rocking and his celebration was just oh, on point. Um, I mean, he comes in being seventh in the NHL in penalty minutes. Felino's fourth, so I feel like we've already mentioned League that. League leading ten fights, load. I believe, is yeah. <laughs> yeah. coming for a lot of those penalty yeah. minutes. That'll take the load off of Felino. Hopefully, he's not in the box as much, and he's out there, you know, scoring more and, and doing what the grief line does defensively, shutting down top lines. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a human wrecking ball. He has. <laughs> Before tonight, he had 210 hits. So if he had added six, six more tonight, hits, yeah. So he he was fifth in the NHL in hits. I mean, yeah. And I think for yeah, me, the, th- the the thing that stood out about his hits tonight is it wasn't the Cal Clutterbuck type hit where the guy got rid of the puck and three seconds later you hit him into the glass and you take yourself out of the play. His hits tonight were taking guys off the puck, creating turnovers. They were effective hits, hits on the forecheck or hits that defensively were separating guys from the puck. Those are the good kind of hits and the, and the types mm-hmm. of plays you like to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know, a lot of times people forget, you know, that, you know, checking is in the game for, as you said, Brett, that, you know, the strategic reasons for, like you said, bumping guys off the puck, moving them out of the way, clearing space. Like it's, yeah, you know, the, there could be clean but big hits in the open ice, but, you know, they're not, re- it's not really allowed for you to just run around and kill guys for no reason. And, uh, you know, I, I, as you said, I mean, there was, that's just obviously, he, like you mentioned, he just knows his role really well. He's, you know, as you guys have all said, he's got energy. Obviously, you know, he's physical. He's not, I don't think, been tight, the hugest guy ever, but he's certainly not a small guy, small player either. Yeah, I believe and, he's uh, six, six one, one, 220 something. Yeah. So, he- heavier yes. guy. I think he's second heaviest yes. player in the wild. Um, not necessarily the tallest, but yeah, definitely a heavy player. So, big in that yeah. sense. For sure. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, he did. And I, mean, I think he was, got pretty damn close to scoring a second goal that period, too, a couple yeah. shifts later. I uh, think it was, I mean, whoever it was snapped it out of midair. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was Ben Ben Hutton literally picked it out of the air as yeah. he was going over the goal line. So nice mm-hmm. play. Yeah, no, so you got close there, but I mean, I think I think you're not necessarily wrong either, Brett. About obviously the price paid too much. I think pretty much anybody aside from you know people on Twitter who just want to uh, you know be dickheads can admit. To, I mean, giving up a third round pick for you know a guy like Delore is you know it's just a bit it's much. It doesn't mean it's you know, a bad mover that he's a bad player at all. But yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely not wrong that, you know, I was a bit surprised. I remember thinking, I think we were talking that, you know, it was going to be, he'd probably give up like a fifth or something, maybe even a fourth that highest. But Hey, I think, you know, at this point, uh, you know, I think it, it helps for me with, with all these moves. It's just the sheer amount of picks I've had the last few years that they still have that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a bit of an overpayment, if it, you know, if, if he, if he plays this well, going in the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs on the fourth line and does his role. It's, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, not going to be a, you know, looking back on it and regretting it too much. 
Yeah, and obviously the best part of this whole trade was that we have a new line nickname that came out of it. Um, with the Wilds' new fourth line tonight of uh, of Nick Delorier, Tyson Jost, and Brandon Duhame. Um Hockey Wilderness had sent out a tweet about it being perfectly chaotic, I think was, was their term. And I'm like, you know what else is perfectly chaotic? Hot dish. This is now the hot dish line. Fans seem to like it. It's Minnesotan as fuck. Um, like we just have like... It's just, you know, you have just three guys that have, like, nothing in common at all about how they play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come out and they had, they look to have some chemistry. That goal they scored was beautiful with, you know, just a nice play by Delorier to free, or There's a play up top, frees up the puck. Yost gets it down the wall to Duhame. It's a one-touch pass out front and a one-timer. Like, it looked like the Kaprizov line out there, just like this tic-tac-toe passing. And I, I was like, oh, man. Like, and it was like early in the game, like, gosh, she's doing me eat all my words right now. But um, we do have the hot dish line now. It is sticking. I'm declaring it. I'm trademarking it. Um, and we'll accept no other things. They are no longer the fourth line, the other hot dish line. So please refer to them as such. Um, or I will be in your mentions correcting you. So. Um, <laughs> um, we have to come up with another nickname now that Stir Morning's gone. So, you know, yep. this is kind of the the perfect situation. Exactly. <laughs> yep. One one nickname leaves. We got the next one. Uh, if you're looking for it, come to Sound the Falker and we got you. Um, still ticked that Audra Martin beat us to the BFF line, but uh, <laughs> got to give credit where credit's due. Still don't right. really have one that's stuck for the, for the top line. Kilohertz has been thrown out there, but it just... It doesn't quite get there for me, um, but it, it'll come one day. We'll get there. Um, other two moves that the Wild made, um, I guess technically three. We talked about the Yost trade on the last podcast. So we won't um, we won't talk too much about that one. Um, and then the other two, one of them we fully expected. It was the Jack McBain trade. He does go to Arizona, who we basically suspected he would go. Um, the question was, which of the five second rounders would they get? They get Vancouver's. Uh, they are currently 18th in the NHL, so that pick projects probably right around a top 50 pick. Yeah, so pretty right good value 40. there. Um, and McBain goes from one college rink to the next. Um, has signed his ELC in Arizona. Best of luck to him. Good riddance. Um, for his sake, I hope it works out. But also, like, would be nice if it doesn't because then we win the trade. Um, but no, for, and, and real, real talk, I do, I do wish Jack the best and hope that, you know, it does work out for him and he gets the ice time he's looking for and that it, that the decision to not sign with a, a potentially winning team, um, you know, it's when he maybe looks back on and regrets, um, potentially somewhere down the road. Um, and then the other trade, um, just devastating to wild fans everywhere. Um, yeah. I know this one really, really rattled a lot of the state of hockey, um, condolences to the RAS cast. Um, and the folks over there as Victor Rask was, uh, sent out to Seattle for the legendary future considerations. Um, yeah, I think the numbers he's going to wear. <laughs> that is, that is the question. That guy's been everywhere. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Yes. Yeah, and we, we retain 50% salary too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Which I don't think salary at this point is an issue no. i don't know right no. i believe going in i believe i saw on cap friendly with like the allowance allowed by the post deadline cap i think they had something like six and a half million um and that was before i believe acquiring no i think that was after acquiring middleton and everything too so like they uh-huh. they have plenty of cap space yeah. so nothing yeah. of concern there 
I will say, uh, you know, on the I was reading, some, I've been was reading some of the comments on like the athletic story about the McBain trade, and some on Twitter. It's, you know, seeing all these people like, oh, it sounds like an entitled little brat to me, and I'm gonna boo him. It's like, okay, let's let's not be that ridiculous, guys. I mean, you may think that, uh, you know, going to the Coyotes and playing in another tiny rank next year is, uh, if they're even in Arizona next season, is, uh, you know, I guess. You know, you can have your opinion on whether that's a good idea or not, but I mean, you know, like Brett said, he guy just wants a chance to play in the NHL. And I mean, I guess I don't know, but I would imagine he'll make his debut here sometime this season, eventually. And uh, maybe so, against the Wild. Yeah, that'd be funny. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be funny, but I mean, like like you guys said, the fact that you got, you know, it, it seemed like they at the very least wanted to get the third round pick and even the value back what they used on him. But I mean, you know, it's a uh, it's just the uh, fact that they just could, you know, have to add more ammo into their uh, into their draft picks or into you know trading assets for a guy that you know that they were going to lose for nothing potentially in August is uh, is pretty damn good. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth to get a second round pick for a guy we drafted in third yeah. round. As much as we wanted to see him uh, here and see what he could do, that just gives Judd Brackett more ammo, and we've seen what he could do with with his draft. So. Absolutely. Can't complain too much. Yep, and we've talked under the uh, under the bracket regime so far. The second rounders have been Murat, who's a DNF, Jack Pert, um, and Ryan O'Rourke. So all guys that project to be middle of the lineup NHLers probably. So to get that back for a guy that was a bottom six forward probably at best projected pretty good, pretty good. Mm-hmm. So good piece of work there, and it might have made you know the the flurry trade more palatable as well. Um, you know, kind of losing one but getting that pick right back. Um, essentially, you know, almost a Jack Bain for Mark Andre Flurry is another way you could even look at it potentially, mm-hmm. um, depending on how things shake out. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. That was the trade deadline. Um, was there anything else that you? you know, wish the wild would have done or just looking league wide, anything that really surprised you that you want to hit on quick here before we kind of, that we kind of wrap up. Honestly, I, I think they did more than I expected them to do. I, I did wonder if they would address some of their weaknesses, obviously the, the special teams and goaltending and, and the hit on it all. So hopefully they all build chemistry and, and can build off that and, build off of tonight and just continue to roll towards the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think there's, to be honest, I don't know if there's really much else you could I mean do without taking away a significant player on the team. So I, mean, I think we can, we talked about on the show last week, you know, the two areas we wanted to see first was goaltending. Uh, second was another kind of, you know, that gritty physical penalty killing D and, you know, they got both of those. So I, you know, I don't it's, you know, it's hard to kind of think about, you know, what else, I guess, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there were talks, but uh, I think they, you know, for, I think they pretty much accomplished what, uh, you know, they were kind of going into and what a lot of us were hoping that they would do. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think the other player that fans were sort of interested in were Andrew Kopp, um, who ended up going to the Rangers. It ended up being a pretty big package. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was Justin Barron. Um and a second that went to the Rangers, which to put that in perspective, that's probably like a Carson Lambos type player plus a second uh, to bring in. I think Cop, you're thinking so. of, sorry, not to interrupt you. I think you're thinking of the avalanche, the Lekkonen trade. So that was a Lekkonen trade. Yeah. yeah. But what so, did, uh, okay. yeah. what 
did Winnipeg give up? Or it was like a conditional second that could become a first, another second, like a fourth, and like some other piece, I think, oh, at yeah. least. There are too many trades Something to like track of today. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say, though, uh, ESPN did a good job with their deadline show today. It was very entertained. I didn't have oh, it on. I just had, the Kevin, I just had the Kevin Weeks notifications. Yeah, they ducked for that, too. That was pretty good. Especially all the memes that people were posting about it, too. Okay, so it was Morgan Barron. Morgan Barron, yeah, you were half right. Okay. I, had, I had the last Justin name. Barron I think they're related. <laughs> yeah, so it was Morgan Barron, a condi- uh, two conditional seconds and a fifth um, for Andrew Kropp and a sixth. I don't have the time, nor did I look what the conditions are on the pick, but <laughs> I would imagine it has something to do with the amount of games he plays and how far the Rangers yeah. go. But, I mean, that was the price for someone like a third-round center. Um or a third line center, so pretty steep. So you know, I don't think I wanted to do that. And as Zeke, you mentioned, you know that a move like that can't happen with without also moving out, you know, a Ryan Hartman or a Freddie Goudreau type player either. So, um, or you know, even flipping a Yost, which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense either. But um, so yeah, I I think Zeke, as you mentioned, I think to address the needs effectively without. I didn't feel like they're real outside of the Delorier trade, which a third round pick in hindsight is a slight overpay, but it's nothing like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Like, again, this felt very much like Bill Guerin paid fair value for what he acquired and made hockey trades, um, trades that affected, you know, both teams in a, in a positive way. Um, as he continues to do good business as he has done kind of since he got here. Mm. Yep. For sure. And then uh, I guess my last question, and I asked this before, but was there any trade that kind of like really surprised you or was like, holy cow, that was a lot to give up or or anything like that that you guys can can think of off the top of your head after all the trades? I I mean, I'm torn on the Colorado one. Yes, they got Lekin and who will probably fit nicely into their lineup, but they gave up maybe their top prospect in a second. I mean, I guess their window is now. Yep. And then. Gotta do what they gotta do. Sakic is usually pretty smart and good on trades, but I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see how it how pans out. It, it is Colorado, so <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think uh, I think I was. Yeah, I think we had heard that it was kind of surprising that maybe St. Louis didn't do as much as you know they were all talk about. Like, supposedly they were in on Ben Chirot and. You know, I think they traded like a second and several other pieces for Nick Letty, who is you know just. I wouldn't say wash, but it's not anywhere near the player he was. Yeah, it didn't uh, seem like a trade they oh. won. Um, yeah, me, no, it didn't. Which didn't at all. Yeah, it kind of feels they, like St. Louis is like in that mix everywhere. It's like, oh, they're gonna make a big trade, and mm-hmm. then they never do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which hey, good, good, good for the Wild. Good for the Wild that the Blues did yeah, oh, yeah. anything. So especially at the play in the first round, but I think also uh, just you know it kind of was notable how. Seattle's just got a horde of draft picks now the next three years that basically half the damn team was gone. Yeah, they were like, you know what? We kind of screwed up the expansion draft. We're just going to kind of undo everything. You want your guy back? Like, I wonder if they said, hey, Garen, you want Susie back by chance? Take that second the third for you. Yeah, but um, I think the one that really surprised me... um, Gosh, who who did it now? Oh, um, had to be the uh, the Tampa trade um, with Chicago, um, Brandon Hagel, Hagel um, to Tampa for two first round picks, Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish in exchange for 
Hagel in two fourths. Um, I know Hagel's had a good year and he has some cost control. And those are probably late first that they gave up, but that just felt like a lot, a huge price to pay for a basically a third line forward. Um, it made you wonder for a second, like, hey, what could the Wild get for like Ryan Hartman right now? <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, not that I wanted to trade him, but like, holy cow! And like, there were so many trades, like, well, that's gonna drive that guy's price up. And all of a sudden, it felt like Claude Giroux went for less than that. It's like, what's going on here? And like uh-huh. Ben Chirac got more than Hampus Lindholm and then Boston's like here's a massive extension even though you're declining the last three years like just a wild deadline like I could never really truly figure out what the value of certain players were but um and Justin you mentioned like the, the Lekkonen trade got a pretty big haul um for just kind of the same thing as Hagel like a good third line forward but uh-huh. wow um but again I think it can make you look back at what Garen did and go well Maybe we made out all right, not having right. You know, ridiculous overpay of any kind. But that was one that really kind of caught me off guard, I think. But, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, any uh, any final thoughts here um, about the trade deadline or thoughts kind of moving forward in the week? Uh, next up is, is Thursday against the Canucks. Um, should be Fleury's debut. Yeah. I don't know for uh, I don't know where you guys stand. This is kind of off topic on the whole – a uh, mini debate on whether you should call it by mini, but I see every time uh, Flurry's comment today, uh, every time there's a new player and someone says that, there's like an outrage in there. And you know, this may be unpopular, but I gotta be honest, I do not see the big deal. It's yeah, personally, well, as a Minnesotan, I've never called I mean, it mini. I think it's kind of a, a not from here thing for the most part. Oh, yeah. Um, but. It doesn't trigger me like it triggers some others. Right. Yeah. Well, that's and just that's the internet. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't use it, but it doesn't bug me. I could care less if people use it or not. Honestly, it's just whatever. It's like mm-hmm. what you get up in arms about the word many. That's kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, that'll do it um, for our trade deadline recap. Um, mostly positive, which is usually a good sign. Um, the yep. Wilds starting to string together some stronger play here. Seemingly out of their funk, uh, knock on wood, um, some games to continue things on here with um, Vancouver on Thursday, um, followed, I think, by some weekend games, um, a rematch with Columbus on Saturday, and then a big division tilt against Colorado on Sunday, where I think all those moves should really be put to the test. So. Wouldn't be surprised here if we maybe see a flurry Talbot flurry kind of over these next three games, give Fleury mm-hmm. the, the nod against the Avs. We'll see how things go. But, um, yeah, the, the grind starts now. You're, you're in the stretch. You're in the playoff push. Should be should be fun. Um, Ryan Carter will be joining us Wednesday. As mentioned at the top and on last week's show, it'll be Minnesota Wild Talk. We'll probably talk a little bit more about the deadline with Carter, get his opinion on some of the moves the Wild made, maybe give us a feel for the locker room could be feeling, thinking um, from a player perspective what it was like when he played. Um, Talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament, which will feature four of the six Minnesota teams, I believe all in different regions, which is kind of exciting. So the potential for an all-Minnesota Final Four, which is pretty cool. And then uh, we will take some some questions for Carter that you guys may have as well. So it should be, should be a fun show uh, Wednesday night. You won't want to miss that. Um, we'll probably drop it Wednesday night if you want to listen early. So that's all I got, guys. Uh, if you want final thoughts, otherwise feel free to let everyone know uh, where they can find you and your work. No, I'm just super excited to go to the Wild Practice on Wednesday with the kids. We, we made signs for it, so hopefully we get some good luck with that. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to give the signs away. 
Yep. But uh, super excited for Ryan Carter too. So that's that's all I got. All right. Where can everyone find you in your work? Uh, you can find me at D East two thousand four. You can find me at Caprice FC with the Caprice of Countdown, and you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And Zeke, any final thoughts? Otherwise, feel free to, to let everyone know where to find you. Yeah, not just not much. Just seems like finally after that little slump, the you know while the back playing like we know they can, and now just they like have most of the year. So that's right at the end of the year. So yeah, no, it's just a great time to be getting hot again, winning three in a row. So hope that they keep that up. But yeah, no, as uh, usually, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyette, and you can find my written work at uh, tankerics.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore March 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, Ryan Carter joins the show Wednesday before the Wild have three consecutive games. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday against the Canucks, the Blue Jackets, and the Avalanche um, on the continuation of their nine-game homestand. But until all of that, this has been the Trade Deadline Recap Special Episode of Sound the Fox.